Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about Street Epistemology at streetepistemology.com. We just launched the uh, the ready date of the Street Epistemology course. We've been working on it for two years or so now. I see that we have Robert in the in the chat here, or at least uh, in the audience. Uh, he's the project manager of the course, and there might even be a few. I see Mark here. He's been helping us with the course. We've been working on it for so long, and we uh, announced that on November 15th, we're going to have a portal off of the SC website where you can log in and start taking the modules from the self-directed course. Whew, I feel so good to say. Uh, so yeah, um, if you go to any SE or SEI social media, you'll probably see an announcement to that effect. Um, I was just about to make a post in the announcements channel to, uh, of the same, but uh, I'm afraid to leave the stage now to do that. <laughs> but so the, go to Reddit, you can go to the Facebook page or the, any of the Twitter accounts that are under SE and you'll see the link to that. Or you can just go to the streetepistemology.com website and click on learning course, uh, course at the top and you can get that information. So we're really excited about that. But I'm here to answer your questions. What do you have to ask exactly. me? Are you, yeah, are you, exactly. Are you, so, hmm? Yeah, so in the, uh, if, if of course, uh, uh, people can uh, request uh, to join the stage and I will uh, yeah, allow you to be on the stage. But if you want to write down your question, you can go to the chill chat and the link to this, you can find it in the announcements channel. I think that is, I hope that is clear. Uh, or write them to me privately. Maybe that's also easier. Mm. <laughs> and I can ask them here if you want to, yeah, do that. Chill chat. Or just, yeah, chill And by the way, chat. we are recording this. At least we think we're recording it. So there's a good chance if the recording takes that uh, we may post this as an audio file <clears throat> on the SE website or on the SE podcast, excuse me. Uh, we may even post the video on the SEI YouTube channel or the SE YouTube channel. We're not exactly sure where that would go yet. So just keep that in mind. Uh, you may want to change your username or something if you don't want that appearing in the video. Uh, but if you're comfortable with that and if you're more comfortable turning on your camera, I'd love to just talk, you know, see you. But I understand that people aren't usually comfortable with that. But yeah. And uh, Cosmo, if you see any questions in the chill chat, if you could read those, because I don't, I can't easily bounce over there and come back to the stage. If you wouldn't yeah, mind. No worries. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll have uh, it open. And Manel uh, wants to ask you something. Hello, Anthony. Uh, it, well, it's an honor and a pleasure to meet you. We would say in person, I'm a huge fan of yours. Thank you very much for all your work. And well, I have two questions because I don't know if my first question will be appropriate or is it the place. So if it's not okay to talk about it, I can go to the second question. Uh, my first question would be, what is your position about the existence of free will? If you feel like it's appropriate, if not, I have another question. I, I can touch on it real quick. I don't think, and I was just talking to my daughter about this last night because she's taking a class and they're talking about determinism and stuff like that. Oh, great. I don't think humans have free will. I think mm. we're, all of our bodies, our minds, we're all responding to stimuli that based on physics that were set in motion probably at the start of our universe. 
And mm -hmm. I think if we were to set the clock back, we'd probably end up exactly where we're at today. I don't really mm -hmm. have the ability to test. There are some things that I think we could do to test that, to, to show that we are not freely determining or choosing things. Mm -hmm. But when it really comes down to it, whether we have free will or not, I don't think that we would act much. I, I don't think we would act any differently or be aware that we're acting any differently. So it's almost a moot point. Mm. Oh, thank you very much. That That's also my position and it's very important to me. So I'm happy that we agree. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. And by the way, my second question, if I may, mm -hmm. would be, uh, I have heard somebody say that street epistemology doesn't have like an agenda. Uh, well, street epistemology, people who do street epistemology. And I tend to think that we have the idea of the, the intention of reducing the uh, irrational beliefs in the world. Would you agree with that? Well, it's a little more it's a little more nuanced than that because the goal uh, SE itself doesn't have goals. It's a set of tools. Yeah, but I the know. practitioner does have goals. And I would say most people who gravitate towards SE tools see the value in challenging people to the point where they begin to realize maybe they're overconfident and they back off of their confidence and be, they become more responsible citizens. Uh -huh. and, and I think that that is completely fine. Maybe as long as your conversation partner is also aware of that, that's what's happening. That's the thing that I think makes it acceptable is, is a, uh, Disclosing at least to some degree what you're up to when you're asking these questions. But yeah, uh -huh. it's funny because we're releasing the course on November 15th of this year. And module two uh -huh. is called Why Use Street Epistemology. And we make a distinction between goals that you should have when you do SE and goals that you could have. We make a, uh -huh. a, a different differentiation there. Uh, we think goals that you should have are attempting to understand your conversation partner and helping mm -hmm. people reflect on the quality of their reasoning. If you can have, th those are like goals that you should have when you're doing SE, uh -huh. but there are additional goals. And, and that is uh, a goal that you could have is persuading people to update their confidence. So that is, uh -huh. a, that is a potential goal that you could have. And I would say it could be a noble one. It doesn't have to be a sneaky or disingenuous or even a coercive thing. It can be a collaborative thing that you're working together with the person. So the, the, the intent of the practitioner is always going to be disputed mm -hmm. and, ch and challenged in a controversial thing, I think, in SE communities. Uh, because mm -hmm. I think pe a lot of people might say, well, I'm uncomfortable with that. It's good enough for me to simply ask questions and understand and build a nice relationship with somebody. Cool. Mm -hmm. You can do that. But you have a, a valuable tool set at your disposal for helping people reflect on the quality of their reasoning on, on very important beliefs on which they're motivated to behave on. Mm -hmm. Although free will is a, it, you got me, you know, free wills is somehow is a, yeah, that was another question, another different question. Just for curiosity, it was a different question, but not yet. Yeah. Are real, are people really even in control of, of their confidence and their um, recognition that maybe I'm overconfident in something you, you just kind of got me thinking about that. Yeah. I so, think absolutely uh, not. Yeah, but what what the question that you're raising is such a good one, and it's something that we're going to always be debating and discussing and wondering if it's ethical and that type of thing. Should we be approaching conversations with the intent of changing a person's mind or helping them become more rational? 
I'm of the view that it, it could actually be a really good thing. And it would be something that I would want somebody to use with me if I was mistaken. But not everybody's mm -hmm. on board with that. Uh -huh. Great. So th thank you very much. Your responses have been very, very useful. And I, I agree with them. And very, very useful. Thank you. It's been an honor to talk to you, Anthony. And I hope I, we can talk another day. Thank you very much. Thank you, Menno. Bye. Great, great question. All right, we're going to invite B82 Bro to speak. Let's wait. Okay. Hello. Uh, hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Hello, Anthony Cosmo. Um, yeah, it's my first time in one of these, so bear with me. Uh, of course. First, I would like uh, to offer an opinion about Manel's uh, question about free will. I'm mostly in agreement with you guys, but I feel or I want to believe there is some uh, randomness. And if we go back, then the vibrations or whatever of the molecules are not as deterministic as, mm, you know, uh, A to B road is. So um, maybe we can make a decision, other decisions that are uh, not uh, the same. Uh, we, I... we would like to keep these stage for questions to Anthony. Uh, yeah, the, the idea is to ask him questions, his opinion. If, yeah, sorry. Yeah, for, sorry, for yeah. Clarifying. No worries. Just yeah. Uh, my question was, uh, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly in a recent uh, podcast you were on. I think you mentioned something about uh, some tests that are being done or are planned for uh, the efficiency of uh, street epistemology compared to other methods of changing people's minds or yeah. my remembering. You wanted to know a little bit about that? Yes, if okay. we, you can. Absolutely. That, thank I, you. I'm, about, I'm very Thank you for the question. So, yeah, we've been working with a researcher who's very busy and moving all over the world with her different projects and such. But <laughs> we found a really good researcher that reached out to us and said, hey, I study, I study cognition and metacognition and beliefs and... And she's in that space, and she reached out to us asking if we would be interested in studying street epistemology. And I'm not sure if we're, we're so much testing the, did you call it the efficiency of it or the effectiveness of it? We're not really looking at that per se. We're, we're looking to see um, if there's any difference as opposed to a, a typical, as, as opposed to a typical kind of interaction. So it's, it's, it's actually kind of timely that you're raising this question because earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, it's kind of a blur, but we had, I think it was earlier this week, we had a really good discussion about what our control would look like compared to the active testing. And now I'm kind of wondering if I, maybe I shouldn't reveal too much about it because I don't want to skew uh, the study. I, I think, I think I'm going to just be careful and not say much more than that. But we do want to isolate what is what is the magic sauce of street epistemology compared to a typical interaction? And do we notice a difference in the outcome 
when somebody walks through their their reasoning on some claim. And the way that we, we've set up the study is that it will probably be through a web form where there, there will be like an actor on the screen facilitating the conversation and the, the respondent would be able to pick whatever claim they wanted, whether it was an empirical claim or a personal preference or a, a moral claim, something normative. And we're going to walk them, you know, walk them through a typical type of SE conversation and see if there's any impact there. And that would be amazing. And, and the, the study is going to be like, it, it will be valuable for answering some of the questions that this researcher in particular wants to study, but we're going to collect so much data. I wouldn't be surprised if we would see other studies coming as a result of that. So that's coming. And then we can finally say like, yeah, we have more than anecdotal information about the effectiveness of SE. Or, you know, there really is something unique to the approach because we've done this study. And then we expect people will be, say like, but you didn't test for this and what about that? And that's where we think other mm -hmm. studies will come from as a result. So that, that's a work in progress. And I, I'm hopeful that we see something soon. Uh, we're still constructing the, the procedure at this point. Mm -hmm. but the, sta the stages after that will be doing a short pilot with a, a very small population of people getting board approval because we're working with human subjects apparently, you know, so there's like, there's some standard that you have to hit there and then we'll, we'll roll it out. And we were thinking we may not even promote the study in SE circles because we don't want to bias it. We might come up with some completely different way of pushing this out into the public that doesn't bring in a lot of noise from from se practitioners who maybe want to see it work or don't want to see you know who, who knows what, what might be happening there so we're trying to be really careful about it about how we go about doing it yeah it's very exciting and it, very. i would really like to see those um, that data you know yeah so some good results from there yeah there, there will be a published study eventually about street epistemology and that i think will lend credence to it especially if it shows that there's some there's something to it mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit different but uh, if you are uh, releasing the courses uh, now does this mean they are complete or the first few are complete and you will keep adding uh, until you reach a satisfying result or something we Thank are you. yes so we're expecting about 14 modules to be released when the course is completely done. It's taken us two years to do the first six. And I, I can get into why it's taken so long, but that's probably not important. But um, no, by, by November 15th, people will be able to, to take a module about what street epistemology is. That's about 24 pages of you know, PDF, but it will, be in a, it will be in a learning management system. You'll be able to learn why you street epistemology. And we covered some of the reasons why earlier in the previous caller. And then we'll cover the ethics of street epistemology. That's module three. Module four is having the right mindset. What's the appropriate mindset to have when you're doing street epistemology? Module five is preparing to do it. And then six is building and maintaining rapport. And that one was the biggest module. That one took the most time or it's the longest, I should say. And yeah, so we want to get that out. 
and then uh, then the, the team is going to still we're still working on modules seven through fourteen at the time uh, at the moment. So that will be coming hopefully soon. Were there any text questions, oh. Cosmo, that maybe you wanted to read before we brought up another person? Yes, there are, but there are also people who want to join. I guess I'll give them priority. Uh, okay. Okay, so I guess, I don't know if you agree, Anthony, we could keep it to one question so that more people can have their questions asked, or what do you suggest? You know, if there's only two or three people that want to come up, then I would be fine with like an okay. extended back and forth a little bit, but um, if... All right. If it's hard to tell because we can't see them in the in the queue like we normally could, it doesn't notice that. Yeah. It looks like Addison's here now, so maybe Addison can turn on the the stage feature. I can ask him, but yeah, now April is here, so you can ask. Hi, question. April. Hi, Anthony. Um, how are you doing? Uh, I am very excited about the new module to come out. Um, currently, I am in my first real structured. SE conversation with um, a pair of Jehovah's Witnesses that showed up at my house and they've been coming for a few weeks. I realize it's taken, it takes a lot of patience to do what you do um, to actually um, ask these sort of questions and not to assert my own ideas into the conversation. Um, I guess my question has to do with, um, they've been coming and they like to conduct Bible studies with people, and I've allowed them to present their information, and I think they consider me to be a Bible study, but I really want to have um, more of a discussion and get them off script. So, um, so for instance, we've gotten to the point where they've identified that personal experience is the thing that drives their beliefs in the Bible coming from God. And when I start to ask additional questions about those, like reflective questions or use an outsider perspective, they tend to just want to dive back into reading their Bible to me. So I guess, how do you handle it when maybe our goals are different? Like, I think their goal is to have a Bible study and to read the Bible. And I, my goal is to really have a genuine conversation. So um, and, and they actually seem open to that too, but how do you hmm. kind of keep it on topic without kind of beating them over the head with it, if that makes sense? Totally makes sense. Well, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is you, if you're, if you're doing extended conversations, um, it shows that they're interested and engaged, but they may be thinking, oh, this is an attempt to, to message and to convert somebody who's interested. So I don't know if you've had that conversation with them, but you might want to say and just lay it all out on the line with them. Like, I'm not interested in adopting these views because I don't think that they're real. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth if this isn't what you're saying, but just like frame it however you want to reveal your position, lay all your cards on the table and ask them, you know, and maybe you've done this already, but uh, I want to understand how you determine that this stuff is true before we get into how, before we get into you showing me the stories and all the good things about the belief. And, you know, you're up here talking about what you believe and I want to understand why and how, mm -hmm. but it, they're likely going there to gain, I think they keep track of hours in the Jehovah's witnesses. Like they may maybe yeah, even have quotas. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think you might be just talking past each other because you, you both have different goals. 
and they need to understand what your goal is, I would reveal your goal directly to them. Okay. And it, it might run the risk of driving them away, but at least you're right. not wasting your time and they're not wasting their time. Right. Okay. Okay. I think that helps. helps. And if it's I, possible, I've been reluctant to do that. I've been reluctant to do that because I know I wanted to have a natural conversation and I didn't want to, I just wanted to, to discuss ideas. And, uh, but this last, this very last, meeting with them it felt like they just wanted to kind of get through their materials so it might be helpful when they come back they're coming back on friday to just like you said lay my cards on the table the other thing that i've noticed mm -hmm. with jw's is there's usually more than one and they're really good i've noticed this at my front door when they would come and they stopped coming but just as i was making progress seemingly with one and helping them reflect on their reasoning the other one would step in and completely derail the whole thing. And I don't know if they did it intentionally or not. And you maybe even notice that in your own exchanges. I don't know. Is it possible to do a one-on-one -on -one with each of them? Is that even an option? Would they consider it? They don't. No, they don't. And I think it's, it's a, it's a, the main uh, person is a man. And I don't think that they go alone to women's homes, especially. I think that they have a rule that they go to okay. people. So could you do um, that it hasn't over... been an issue yet so far it hasn't been an issue oh really it hasn't been an issue i'm surprised they've like, been what... yeah in fact i got i got him to say they started out as 100 percent confident and they i got him to back off of that because i said you know i am not 100 percent confident in anything because i like to leave room for new information and to stay open-minded and then they they backed off from that and they said oh yeah you know, I'm really not either, okay. you know, but my goal is to be. So we talked. Oh, ah, what an honest, like, what an honest answer. So they sound like they're being honest and sincere with you, at least. They really way. are. Like, I do feel like it, it's a good conversation. So I'd like to continue it. It's, it's really interesting. I think that they're a tough group to speak to. And this particular person seems to be pretty genuine. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm kudos for you for taking the time to speak with them, but, uh, I, I, yeah, maybe be a little bit more direct as far as what your goals are. And then if you have the ability, like a one-on-one -on -one could be an option if you did it over zoom, maybe, because mm -hmm. you're going to probably make way more progress if there aren't other people in the room and they're giving answers much, maybe much more safer answers because they know the other person is there in front of them. But it sounds like, it sounds like you have two really good, honest conversation partners. That's a good point. Thank you, Anthony. I really admire what you do and, you know, look forward to learning more. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're eager to get this course out and I think that'll be, that'll be really helpful for you too. Thanks. And, uh, I'm reading a message from Addison here. Basically, Addison, we're noticing that nobody can chat in the uh, in the chat for one thing. And then the you know how you could join the stage and enter a queue and then we can select you. It doesn't seem like that's turned on or available just yet. Hello. Yeah. Um, essentially, it's, it's a mod thing and it might just be a Ragnar mod thing um, mm. if Cosmo can't edit it in, in, in any way. Um, you might be able to sort of hover over the the stage Cosmo right click and then edit it but if you can't then it's it's a solely Ragnar thing and unfortunately Ragnar's on holiday at the moment we're so dependent on Ragnar we could we could kind of 
use another chat if needed. Um, we, we're doing like that. Chill chat we're using, okay, cool, we're, cool. We're using chill chat, as far as I understand. Yeah, this sh shouldn't be an issue for any future AMAs because Ragnar hopefully will remain on holiday and we'll get this permission shared with like Cosmo, I guess, so that we can do it if he is. Yeah, maybe. We, do you have the ability to add a recording bot or should we just wait for the next time we do an AMA? Just do it then. I'm currently recording now, uh, but I did miss the first okay. five to seven minutes or so. So, yeah. Okay. I think I'm screen recording at the moment. Okay, so FK, help me to enable the chat. <laughs> so I guess yeah, now yeah, yeah, okay. we can use the chat here. Yeah, it was yeah quite uh... brilliant. Okay, but uh, right oh, now yay. there's nowhere in the queue, but there was a question already in our chill chat uh, by Adam. I don't know if my Adam's still here. Uh, what specific topics do you? now find interesting for SE? Any common topics that SE doesn't work well for? I could repeat it if you want. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I got it. I'm just thinking about it. Um, SE seems pretty versatile, so you can pretty pretty much use it for any claim. Are there specific claims that I, that I think are like really good for SE? Um, it seems like Empirical claims are the best claims to use SE for. And then I have a colleague, Ram, who's under the impression that you can use SE to explore moral claims without converting it to an empirical claim, which I'm dying to see happen. And I'm not so sure SE is really good for exploring personal preferences. Like, I think vanilla ice cream is the most delicious flavor. Why would you want to SE that? But if the person's, like, you can convert that like, it's not only delicious, but it's the most healthy ice cream for people. They're extending the umbrella beyond themselves. Then now it gets more interesting to me. Then I think it's more in the realm of SE. Now, if there's there's different, the other questions are like, what kind of claims that I think would be good to explore with SE that I'd like to see more of? You know, probably more political claims, like the the things that we look at in the culture that seem to be ripping us apart. Those are the claims that I think we should be focusing on. Okay. SE is a wonderful tool that is at the heart of the culture wars. So all this division that we're seeing, it's a great tool to be using to explore those reasons with people who are so adamant and dogmatic in their views. So just pick your topic. Look at Look at the topics of the day that seem to be ripping us apart. And that's where I would channel my efforts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, I'm inviting someone else to join. Okay. So are we now switching over from chill chat to the uh, to the chat here? Yeah, it's possible because it'll keep it sort of clean in the chill chat yeah. for people who don't know. Let's do that. And then Robert uh, was—he's got a graphic to promote the course. If that's okay, maybe we can drop that into the into the chat now. Okay, uh, Miss Kathy. Hi. B. Hi. Uh, this is my first time talking on here, so thank you for having me speak on that topic. My thoughts about SE 
and how I am looking to use it is that we would pursue a claim and then say, well, if you can't be 100% certain about that, is that something you really want to govern other people's lives on? It's just a thought that I've had. I haven't actually gone out and tried it yet. But if you can't prove that the soul even exists, how can we claim that nobody should have an abortion? Yeah, I, I, I love that. That would be my advice, actually. So like you may remember from videos when I would go out and, and initiate talks with people, I usually would say something like, can you pick a claim that you not only think is true, but you act out on? And that is kind of hinting at impacting other people. Because if you're acting out on them, you're interfacing with other humans and you're, you're offsetting other people and you're, you know, you're, you're now, uh, you're now an input to their own beliefs. So I, I, I think that that's great. If people are not, you know, they're not only acting out on it, but they're, they are, um, pushing their views on other people. Then I, that raises the bar even right. more for me. For sure. Impacting somebody yeah. else's behavior in a way that they are not inclined to behave as, I think that you're crossing an ethical line. And that's kind of the, the path that I want to go in. I think that that's a very efficient use of your time. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Great question. I do see some familiar faces down here. Uh, names, Pierce, hello. Veronica, what's up? Uh, humanity. I've seen that you've been posting some some pictures at least of your stuff and Mark. Oh, does it, oh did you have another question, Miss Kathy B or did you Yeah, I don't know how to stop myself being a speaker though. <laughs> Nor do I. I'm going to oh, mute myself. I think I, I just moved them to the audience. Okay. I just right clicked on your name and it said move to audience and there you went. I didn't mean to cut you off mid-sentence. Who else wants to come up? Can you see in chat? Um, oh. It should tell you if people have kind of requested to come up or not. I'm not sure if it shows you that. Oh, yeah. Where is that? Um, I do see that my audio was cracking. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. See. Oh, show requests. It says no requests. There's no request to speak at the moment. Ha. Need somebody to request them. Yeah, we need somebody to come up here. There we go. John. Okay. Hi, John. Hello. Oh, we're getting video. Hi, Anthony. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about um, um, meditation. Um, is, is, uh, what do you see as a connection between using SE and using meditation um, with conversation partners? Meditation could be useful for people who think that they need it to stay calm. Because like being able to stay calm and not get triggered by the topic or be somebody being irate or somebody giving just being obstinate in their confidence, that could be really triggering. And I, I do know there have been people who have helped with a course who have suggested a meditation as a, as a technique for staying calm. So I would say if it's something that you think could help you stay calm, and if you're struggling with that, then certainly give it a try. I personally tried meditation. 
I think I downloaded Sam Harris's app two or three years ago, booted it up once, gave it a try, and just like, I don't need this. Uh, but there are other ways you can stay calm and focused besides meditation. You could, you could um, remind yourself of a good conversation that you may have had that was really powerful for both of you. That that could be very calming and, and grounding. Um, there's many other things. I wrote a blog post of how to stay calm and focused when doing street epistemology. Maybe somebody could drop the link into the into the Discord chat here about that. Um, do you meditate, and did, have you found it useful? Do you want to speak a little bit about your experience with it? Yeah. The, the, the context of the question was that I had a conversation with a family member um, about a completely unrelated topic. Earlier, um, when talking to them, I tried SE, and it wasn't really helpful in uh, examining their beliefs because they were reluctant to critically examine their personal relationship with with God. They thought that was potentially harmful to that specific relation because it's a love relationship and critically examining a love relationship can be um, can be damaging to the relationship. So that, that's, that's risky. And in this conversation about a completely unrelated topic, I'm... Um, uh, I suggested to uh, to try meditation um, in, in the hopes that, that this may be also be an, another tool that can um, help to inspire reflection. Um, For them? Yes. How did they react to your suggestion? Uh, they went along with it and initially they found it not really doing much for them. Uh, but they could see how it could work, um, uh, especially when I uh, when I told them a little bit about how I, uh, I I've used it personally in the past and what it's done for me. Um, so that's more the context that I'm thinking about. It it can be sometimes it, a tool that um, yeah that helps you maybe distance yourself a little bit from your beliefs and take the, take a few of those beliefs from my outside perspective. I kind of I, I like where you're going with that with meditation because that's exactly what we try to do when we're doing street epistemology. We want to help a person feel comfortable enough where they can objectively step back and look at their the quality of their reasoning. And um, training the brain to be able to step back from yourself, maybe is that what's happening in, in in meditation? Perhaps maybe that's a good step forward, and maybe that would actually open them up. I've never never considered. I've always considered it like how can I use meditation to benefit myself. I've never quite thought about how it could help my conversation partner open up. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not so sure that that's necessarily a possibility in many contexts, but there is this particular context where it did seem uh, to at least open up some avenues. Um, hmm. uh, and it's it's just one tool in the toolbox, I think, uh, that, that sometimes can have a place. Most often it should not have a place because you don't have that type of relationship, but especially with family members. Um, and if you have personally a good experience with meditation as well as maybe feeling comfortable in guiding your conversation partner through some through a meditation, uh, that this could be uh, that this could be something useful. Um, Very much so. I'm, I'm still I'm still going, I'm going to have to see what what the long term effect is in this particular conversation. But for now, it felt quite. I was, I'm, I'm optimistic that it might help potentially. It very well could. You know, when you first started mentioning meditation, I was thinking in the context of America, I wouldn't have been totally surprised if you had mentioned or suggested meditation or maybe even yoga 
and getting pushback, especially from some theistic perspectives of that being problematic. I, I follow this one street preacher on Facebook and, um, he goes on, he's got this thing about yoga, like it, like yoga and deep reflection is like the path to the devil in some, in some mindsets. So I'm, I'm grateful to hear that your partner, your conversation partner, and I don't know if the, the claim is theistic or not in nature. I don't remember if you said so or not, but I'm glad that they're open to reflection in a meditative type of thing. And they didn't just shut it down. Like I might expect some other people to. That's great. That's encouraging. Yeah. So the, I didn't suggest the meditation in the context of a claim, um, uh, but they do, they do have a God belief. Um, they do have a, religi a religious background and we tried to talk about that earlier. Um, I did now suggest it in a, in, uh, like in, in, in basically a, a, um, what's it called? Uh, grieving, a grieving process. They are in a grieving process. Um, and, 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 and I thought that could, this would be a helpful tool to, um, yeah, to, to, to help that process a little bit. Um, and maybe potentially later come back to this and see if we can apply this also in critical thinking. Keep us posted. That sounds interesting. All right. Thanks, John. Great. Bye. Okay. Okay. Um, just to remind everybody, it does say it in the event description, but we are recording. Um, so make sure that you're happy with, um, you know, recording if you go up on stage and, you know, if you're happy to be vocally recorded, you can just keep your camera off, things like that. Um, and I think we plan to do this for an hour and a half and we're about, uh, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes into it. Does that sound about right? I think we've got about 45 minutes to go. Yeah. 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 I can't do math. Okay. Humanity. Hey. Hi. So uh, you saw recently that I went to D.C. with sound epistemology, got some first time experience with uh, real life SE. I mean, you know, I had done it with like friends and family before, but, you know, total strangers. That was a first for me. Um, and what I learned from it was that it's a lot of the time is spent just trying to get a claim. And so I got some very helpful advice from sound epistemology about how to get claims out of people um but i would definitely like advice from anthony on how he gets claims well what's david's technique because i'd love to hear it is it the can of words um, or something the can of words is one way to do it i actually didn't use that very much uh i used okay. that like one time uh but something he told me was to say to ask them what is something important to you and oh, yeah that's good yeah you can see how that leads not only to claims but it can lead to just an interesting conversation i mean ultimately i've been in scenarios before where we se'd something but i could tell that the se topic wasn't really important to them and you know if it's not important to them i almost don't even want to in a way i don't even want to have the se uh but yeah one con of it this is just one negative to it is that i found sometimes when you ask that question what's something important to you people go to things like family they say love integrity. exercise yeah they, right. they talk about things that are, are virtues and maybe would make actually they they have made for good conversations 
but you can tell how they don't really make for good SE conversations. Right. There, I've encountered that too. And I, there's probably some videos out there that I've uploaded where we struggle to, to get a topic. Although those don't make for very interesting videos because the five, first five minutes you're wondering what the topic is. I've, I've experimented with things like saying, of course, there's the, you know, is there something that you believe really strongly and you act out on when you, when you frame it that way, people start mm. thinking about their activities like, Oh, well, oh. I, I donate to this organization or I'm going to be going to this protest next week or th that type of thing. So framing it in terms of their behaviors usually shakes out claims. So that's one approach. I, I think I've experimented with something like, have you ever had, had a major disagreement with somebody about something? Mm -hmm. and that the, everyone has disagreements with people and then there's claims behind those disagreements. But maybe one of the, the coolest way of, of shaking out a claim is asking a really broad abstract question. And there, you, you must be familiar with the, the street epistemology survey. Yeah. Yeah, those are great questions. Like, uh, do you think truth is objective or not? Or do you think humans oh, create yeah, yeah. words and define their meaning? What, what constitutes good evidence? start really broad and have a broader discussion about those types of things. And then as your conversation partner is explaining how they reason about the broad thing, they bring up claims. And now you've got a claim mm -hmm. in the context of this broader abstract thinking. And it's a great way of sailing right into a claim. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Uh, I should have had the SC survey printed out with me when I went out there. Uh, you can even get, say, hey, well, you know, we're struggling with a claim here. Just look at this list. Is there anything on here that you find intriguing? Let's start with one of those. And then just go. Yeah, yeah. I think I did ask a question at some point, like, uh, is there something you believe that creates disagreements around others? Um, is there is there something you think is true that is divisive to say is true? <laughs> and, and, yeah. maybe it sh and it shouldn't be in your mind. You know, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, though I noticed with one particular IL on my trip, uh, like she was venting about a lot of grievances that she had. It, it had to do. It had to do with like immigration and she was like really worried about, uh, you know, sort of the culture clash and the crime that was increasing in her area that she felt was caused by immigrants. Um, and I don't know, some, something about it, it's like I didn't know how to get her out of the loop of, you know, focusing on how upsetting this is to her. I wanted to, I wanted to draw it into maybe a claim, like the, mm. the claim that, hey, these people are causing more crime, but I don't know. Yeah. I have a suggestion. Yeah. So when somebody's really upset and agitated about something, yeah. it's not a good condition for SE. You need a different tool and, and a tool that we've, we've recognized. NVC. NVC. Yeah. Nonviolent communication. What I think I hear you saying is that you're feeling really upset about immigration. Is that right? Yeah. And now you're talking about their feelings and it could really help ground people so that they're ready for an SE conversation. And it, 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 it's, that's, one, that's an interesting example where you would want to use SE. Normally I think of SE as I have a hostile conversation partner and they're irate at me for even asking the questions, that type of stuff. Or they've heard something about SE and they're agitated about SE proper, you know. 
NVC is really great for that too. But yeah, if you have an emotionally charged conversation partner, regardless of the emotion, NVC is a great, it's a great point to like retreat back to if you realize they're not ready yet for their, for reflection. Mm, yeah, I've, I, obviously I'm familiar with it, but I just haven't learned it yet. Uh, I'm going to be trying to learn that soon. So good I think point. somebody was, somebody was talking about maybe doing an NVC <laughs> session here in the discord server. And just offering it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I can make, I can that make would, a note. That would allow can, me. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's somebody I know who could probably do it. Sweet. And well, uh, do you have do you have a YouTube channel? Are you going to put your videos up there? I have a YouTube channel. I haven't uploaded the content to there yet. So uh, okay. stay tuned for that. Yeah. Well, Feel come free. on. You need to share it so that we can all be primed for your first video. I'll, I'll share it i'll share it when a video is on there i promise okay, okay yeah feel free to drop the link to your channel at least and get we can get some subs ahead in your way okay okay thank you you're welcome thank you humanity uh we've got rickety next in the queue hello oh wait you're not there yet oh should i add them he's been Invited to speak. Okay. Um, in a minute or so. Yeah. Uh, while we're waiting, if there is a pending question text based, maybe I can knock it out real quick. Yeah. Would you, by uh, B Addy 2 Bro, they say, would you ever see something you or the interlocutor are not fluent in the common language? Uh, if you are, if you are, it, Sorry, if you or the interlocutor are not fluent in the common language, meaning there are some cum communication limitations. I don't think I would. Language is hard enough when you when you speak the language and you're both fluent in it. Like SE is hard enough, I should say, when you're both fluent in the same language because you're still talking past each other, and that just amps it up even more. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd problem. recommend. Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it. And then, <clears throat> really quickly, Matt says question for Anthony. How useful might it be to begin the most to begin most SE conversations with exploring your interlocutor's definition of truth? How important is it to bring it up broadly speaking? It might be one of the smartest moves that you can do to talk about truth at the very start. It's one of those broad questions that we were just talking about with the previous caller about um, if you're struggling for a claim, you can go abstract. Talking about truth is abstract generally for a lot of people. A lot of people don't give a lot of thought as to what they mean by true. And they, I would put it at a third of the population equates subjective personal opinion with factual objective truth. And they don't even know they're doing it and you don't even know you're doing it until you're neck deep in your SE conversation and then you hit it. There's videos on my channel where we'd be exploring their claim only to find out when we get down to their reasons that reasons aren't even important because what, what, what do you mean? Truth is just what you think it is. So you, we've spent a lot of time spinning our wheels on truth when uh, we could have knocked it out at the start. So yeah, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think Mark Solomon with his channel, it's one of the very first questions he asks. He explores what they think about truth. Do they want to believe true things? How important is it for them to believe true things? And he scales it. And then I think he asks another question to tease out whether they're thinking objectively or subjectively. I don't remember the questions he asks. 
Mark, maybe you can type in the questions that you ask. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I, I, I got that advice <clears throat> five or six years ago. Anthony, hit the truth thing first. But I was always reluctant to do it because being in Texas, when a stranger asks you to talk about truth, they're usually proselytizers for religions. And I didn't want to set that expectation or anything. So I, I always backed off on it, but I became more alert to it. Like you, you can look for keywords as people are talking that maybe they're thinking sub, sub, subjectively. And the second you detect it, then you go and you talk about truth. So you can do it either way. But whether you do it at the front or you do it when you stumble into it, you have to deal with it. You can't just pretend that it's not an issue. You have to set aside the claim and you have to explore truth with them before maybe resuming back to the claim, the original claim. Brilliant. Um, just so you know, Anthony, you are still crackling a little bit. I'm not sure if that's, that's something that you, you know, had to fix or not. Uh, maybe a replug here. Uh, and then we have JCC on stage who should be able to unmute and ask the question. Yeah, hey, everybody. Thanks for letting me come up and chat and ask a question. So, uh, Anthony, have you, um, are you knowledgeable of uh, David from Sound Epistemology with the hidden claim things? And I think he came up with it. I'm not too sure. I think he's the originator of hidden claim, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been. Have you ever tried to, have you ever tried using that to improve your skills, which you're already kind of a master of anyway? I didn't, I didn't set out to do it to improve my skills. I just set out to do it to see if I could do it. And uh, the first time I did Hidden Claim SE was with uh, an audience of about 70 people in Athens, Greece, at Plato's Academy. There's this park. Right now it's like a dog park, but there's this plan to redo the whole park. So I was invited out there to talk about street epistemology. And I did Hidden Claim with the entire audience. And wow, what an amazing experience. How'd that go? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe some people were confused and I probably should have practiced it a little bit more like David has pr likely practiced it over and over and over again. But um, it, it's a great way, I guess, to sort of introduce the concepts to people where you're not getting bogged down in the claim itself, which people find so triggering. But if you don't do a good job of explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it as you move through the, the steps of SE, people could potentially get lost. So I do like Hidden Claim SE. Um, it, there's obvious benefits, right? Like y y you can definitely be neutral now because you don't know what the claim is. And that's a common complaint about SE. Like, well, you have an intention to change their mind about something. Well, what if I don't know what the claim is? How could you possibly say that that's the case? So it kind of lets the SE practitioner off the hook a little bit. Uh, there's always the risk, though, that maybe your conversation partner changes the claim as the conversation is progressing. But I think David asked them to write down their claim to try to avoid that. And I remember thinking that there might be some other issue with hidden claim SE that I that I remember thinking about, but I'm drawing a blank on it at the time. But for the most part, I love it. I think it's great. And awesome, thank you. Yeah, maybe it's something. Maybe it's something a novice would be more comfortable doing as opposed to actually picking a claim. So maybe, maybe it lowers the bar of, of, for entry to doing SE for a lot of people too. So I see more, pro, be some more pros than cons with it at the moment. 
Awesome. Do you think it could be, could it could be could it be something implemented into the SE uh, course? I think so. Yeah, I think we have one. I think we do mention that there's some alternatives that you can do, but it's still kind of a new animal compared to the traditional way of doing SE, where you have a claim. And I think we were a little worried that maybe we would confuse the, the a newbie about doing SE where you didn't have the claim. So, yeah, maybe maybe at some point there will be room for for talking about some of these offshoot things like Spectrum SE or Hidden Claim SE or the SE survey. We do mention them briefly in passing in the course, if I remember right, but we don't get into the mechanics of it. Awesome. Thank you. I see someone else has their hand up. Uh, I appreciate uh, your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, JCC. Yeah, we've got Leanne M. Um, request. I just accepted it now. Hi. Hi, how are you, Anthony? Nice. I'm doing great. Thanks for great. Doing, how are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm trying to get cool in Texas now, finally. I know. Um, a cold front moving <laughs> in. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, so I actually had a question about the hidden claims thing, too, because I was wondering if there was like a list of types of claims, because I enjoy doing the hidden claims with friends and family, um, since SE can be a little bit more difficult when you know people's stances on things. Um, but it seems to be helpful to kind of define the type of claim, so you're asking questions that are relevant to their hidden claim, and otherwise I find it's like, it's, it kind of turns into 50 questions. <laughs> you could ask them to categorize the claim. Like, is this more of a personal preference or would you say it's more of a fact claim that impacts everybody? Uh, another question could be, would you, would you classify this as sort of like a value that you have or, or a moral statement about reality? Or is it more of a, is it more empirically based, like something we can test? That right. might help you narrow down the, the question set that you would ask. And were you also asking for a yeah. list of claims to explore? Yeah, kind of like types of claims, like there are moral claims, claims or like maybe quantitative claims, um, yeah. you know, Module things like that. Like, yeah. So I know, I think you're on our list of testing the modules and the next one that we're going to be testing is module seven, identifying and clarifying the claim. Mm -hmm. And we're going to mention all the different types of claims there and examples of those with advice on how you would proceed once you hit those types of claims. So that's coming okay, in the that course. That would be helpful. I'm almost positive there, there are people in this audience who have lists of claims that they pull out and offer to their conversation partner to pick, but they're probably not categorized. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, we've got a couple of text questions I just don't want to get uh, too far away from. Um, so this one might sound a bit non-serious, but I can assure you that it, it is serious because I was in the, the original conversation when they were talking about it. Uh, Rick Dick asks, how do you feel about doing SE with a hand puppet? <laughs> well, I've never tried it before. Uh, we were just, just talking about Triumph the the insult comic dog. Isn't that a hand puppet? Uh, there's one fella that has like a, a, a printout of himself as a billboard. Uh, 
honestly, anything to kind of lighten the mood if you're initiating talks with strangers on the street, if you're doing the street version of SE, you might remember from some of my videos, I had like a, I might have a rose or a flower that somebody gave me and I put it on my whiteboard or I had a little bird on my whiteboard just to kind of lighten the mood and sort of take the pressure off of people. Um, yeah. I would love to see SE done with a hand puppet. <laughs> Yeah, I think the context was Sushi was talking about doing it with uh, children, maybe. And so, yeah, kind of huh. helping them kind of pay attention and get into it a bit more. I love it. I mean, give it a try. That would be amazing. I think that would be really cool to see. Oh, uh, Sushi's oh, well, sushi not, not children, not children per se. <laughs> uh, so Yan is up again. Uh, if okay. you're able to unmute Jan and ask a question. Yeah, there is on uh, the Discord server this discuss SE topic on critical rationalism and SE. Are you familiar with that? Critical rationalism, I think uh, one of my colleagues has been mentioning that a lot lately. So, uh, no, I'm not that familiar with it. Is it uh, Brett, uh, Brett Hall? Is that the name? That you're that you're hearing some stuff from, or Rausch? Um, is it Rausch? No, Deutsch. Deutsch. Does it come from yeah. Deutsch and David, David, David Deutsch. Yeah, and I, I think this, some the summary would be that believe we don't don't really structure our lives on beliefs that we have a certain confidence level in, but rather we believe that which is currently the most. Um, the best, the best explanation that we currently have. Um, so asking a, for a confidence scale on a belief wouldn't really be applicable in that context. I don't understand um, that though. I don't understand that because we're asking your your feeling of confidence that you've determined that it's the best choice for you. Um. Yeah, I can I can see how you can use the confidence level in that way. Um, mm -hmm. I I also see that the question is often asked like like how confident are you that this is true? Um, and um, in that sense, it can be um, interpreted as uh, as something different than um, you know how much how much searching time that you have to do. Especially when you hear people having very strong beliefs that they're 100% certain about this yeah. belief. There, there's a subtlety here and that they, I think is really important to point out. That, and I, and I don't think my closest colleagues in SE circles are completely on board with what I'm about to say. So just take this with a grain of salt. We need to, we need to really talk it through. But it's my view that when we're doing SE, we're assessing the person's confidence we're, we're assessing, we're not assessing the truth of the claim. We're assessing the person's feeling of confidence that their claim is factually true. We're looking at the quality of their reasoning compared to their confidence level that they have the truth. And if they say a hundred or two or seven or nine or 40, their level of confidence has no bearing on whether their claim is factually true or not. We're not assessing the fact of the reality we're assessing their confidence that they have the fact of reality. And there's a difference there. But again, I don't, I mean, we're recording this and everything. 
that I, I, I want pushback on that totally. Cause I, if I'm wrong and, and SE is a tool for figuring out the truth of the matter, then I, then SE is a more amazing tool than I thought that it was, <laughs> but I don't think it's quite there. My, to my understanding, um, under critical under critical rationalism, if if there is a belief that you hold uh, that, that you currently hold, then you are basically one hundred percent certain that this is the, the, your current best understanding of uh, of the of the truth. Um, hmm. There is really no. It's the best point that you have. That you. It's the best theory you have. So. You can, you're as certain as you can be. Let me ask you this. Um, if you think you have the best reason for your beliefs, are, is, are, is that the equivalent of saying I'm 100% sure that that best reason is factually true? That's at that point in time, it's the best you got. It's as, as sure as you can be. Um, so what is there to compare to? Like, well, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I, maybe we're getting too into the weeds here, but I wouldn't say my best reason for thinking that it's true is because I hear water hitting my window. Um, I wouldn't put my certainty at 100% that it's really raining outside. Okay, I, I can see how if you have d different explanations in mind that you can... Um, you know, grant some confidence level to that as well. I'm, um, yeah. By the way, if you, it's, 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 an, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, think a little bit more about. A, absolutely. No, I want to understand it more because this is all new to me. And I feel like I'm being blindsided by some other perspective of, of, um, of, of, it's like we're elevating reasons to being justifications in being certain about stuff. Uh, that's what I, what I feel like I'm hearing from, from the critical rational side. But uh, if this is an area of interest, let's maybe we can form a little group and get on Zoom and really start like mapping it out how we're seeing it, because maybe we've discovered a whole other way of applying SE tools to claims. I'm not exactly sure, uh, or maybe it defeats the whole project. Who who the hell knows? But either way, I'd like to figure that out. So let's let's talk more about it. But I don't know if this is the right spot. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Ian. A um, couple of questions in chat whilst we line up uh, Sushi, who's coming in next. Um, T-Rex Tiny Arms asks, how important is dostastic openness in the practitioner themselves? Whoa. Okay, so when I hear dostastic openness, it just simply means open-mindedness. Being open to the, to the arguments that you're hearing. And... Open-mindedness is not required to do SE. You can be closed-minded and you can be dogmatically certain and you can still do SE and challenge somebody who has your same view or a completely different view. So it's not a requirement to do SE, but I, th I think like if, you're, if you wanna be a responsible wielder of the tools of SE, you should be open to considering what it is you're hearing and the, and the justifications for hearing it and the quality of, of their reasoning, which is the epistemology. So uh, yeah, it's not required, but it seems helpful. And I think if your conversation partner detects that you are open-minded to it, just like we had the person on here, April, I think, who has the, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses showing up at the door, they're probably sensing that she's open-minded. Now, whether or not she is or not, it's hard to say, but they keep coming back. 
there, there's a certain value to extending the conversation if you really are truly being open-minded. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Was that your question, well, Sushi, or was that somebody else's? That was T-Rex Tiny Arms. Oh, that was T-Rex. Okay. Hi, Sushi. Hey, Anthony. How's it going? Good. Thanks again for doing this. It's awesome. Um, so so yeah. first off, uh, kind of a shameless plug, but uh, yes, uh, first time out doing it. Totally awesome. Recommend it to the entire crowd. Please go out and do SC IRL. Completely different experience. Uh, you can check it out at uh, Sushi Thinks on YouTube and also Sushi Thinks twice for short and long format. And the sock puppet is in the makes. So uh, hopefully in the next like month or so, we will see how that goes. <laughs> I have a question for you. So I know that you've mm -hmm. done the practice sessions on the Discord for the longest time, and now you've done in yeah. real life SE. What yeah. is what would you say is the biggest? Yeah, what's the biggest difference between the two? Uh, finding the claim for sure, you know, and oh, really? You struggle uh, more with the narrowing. Claim in real life? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's I guess more like isolating the claim, and I, I think that was actually going to be my question because you know when doing the practice sessions, you know, people are either like there to listen, come with claims, or have ideas of claims that they've sort of already thought about, right? Yeah. Uh, so going up to strangers and being like, Hey, what, like, what do you believe? And they're like, well, I don't know. And a lot of them are like about religion. And it's like, well, it can be anything that, you know, you hold, you know, deeply that you think is true with like a hundred percent confidence. But then once you sit down with them and it's like, you, you get into it and then there's just like claim after claim after claim. And it's just like, how do you pick which one to go with? And, you know, that kind of thing. And how, how do you yeah. manage that when, when they're just, uh, I don't know, claim ninjas? I don't know how you would call it. Yeah, that. it's almost, it's like feast or famine. Either you get deluged with claims and they just throw a whole bunch of stuff at you or you're just struggling and wondering like, oh, what are we talking about here? I mean, we talked about some of the things that you can do. I, you, I'm not sure if you just joined or not, but there was an earlier question about how we can actually pick a claim and and what what techniques we might it was humanity i think i had heard it was that. humanity yeah yeah um yeah yeah it's more of like so yeah, when you when asking the reason like or when when i was talking with this one person in particular and their reasons were just claims just claim stacking and it was like do you stick with the original claim or do you like dig into those claims mm-hmm what, what I find when I meet somebody who's throwing claim after claim after claim is I go more broad and abstract. And I think I'd mentioned that earlier, like, you know, rather than, the, yeah, I usually notice this with conspiracy theorists, not just random people on the street where, where you're searching for a claim and then they start th throwing claims at you. If, if, if that's, if that happens, you just like, well, which one do you find yourself acting out on the most or which one is most important to you? Which one do you find yourself arguing about the most that helps you in that regard? But if you have somebody who's just throwing out claim after claim after claim or reason after reason after reason, which in a way are claims, that's usually when I say, well, hold on a second. Let's take a step back and let, let's talk about your process for deciding whether you, de you decide to believe a claim or not. You have all these different claims that you've thrown out. Let's not even look at any of them. I want to explore your process. Let's say you go home tonight, you turn on the TV or you, you open up your email and you're presented with a claim. What do you do? What are your steps? 
How do you just decide I'm going to adopt that claim or I'm going to reject it? And now you're talking, now you're in the realm of epistemology. Now you're in the realm of process. And hopefully hmm. they don't slip back into throwing more claims and reasons at you and they can think more abstractly. And you might kind of have to keep reeling, reeling them in and like say, yeah, even like show them the triangle, the little pyramid triangle thing. Like you're up here at what? And I want to get down here to the, to the how, you know, hmm. can you help me? Like take me through your process for determining whether you believe something or not. And just talking more abstractly is, is could be really fruitful and, and less frustrating yeah, for you too. Because it's frustrating when you get someone who's just shotgun claim after claim after claim. It reminds me of the conversation with Caleb, one of the first videos that I uploaded to my YouTube channel. Uh, he was a he was wearing like a light green shirt and it was the color of humanity's um, icon, basically. But it was just claim after claim after claim. And I was like, listen, I don't want to debate with you. I want to explore with you or something along those lines. And just reframing it and, t and pointing out where you want to go and then just reminding them that that's where you want to go. And that's about the yeah, best thing to do. Yeah, I think that's really good you know? advice. Yeah. And I like what you were saying uh, with humanity too about asking what is truth. And I, I had like, when I was trying to reel people in, it was like a really basic question to them. And then, you know, the, the, you know, what you believe, why you believe it and how you know it's true. But I never thought of printing out the triangle and maybe that's a, a really good thing to work on and like you said staying abstract because yeah. I, I mean and not to be a jerk about it but you'll be you'll be like oh i think you're back up here again and i really want to get down here <laughs> like is how could we take what you've just said and get down to your process there because that's really where i think we can make get the most traction yeah and, and and it was this one particular interlocutor that really made me you know ask the question is uh and and the other thing is when to stop them Right. The the SE session ended up going into the darkness, you know, sunlight going down because, you know, really super long winded with, you know, dozens of claims within, you know, the reason. And like, uh, what point do you say, like, actually interrupt with your interlocutor? I mean, the second you feel like you're becoming emotionally bothered by it is the time to raise it because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse for you. And uh, interrupting is one of the things that we point out could be damaging to rapport, but sometimes you have to take the risk because they could get worse if you just let it go on and on and on because they may think you're listening to them, but you've checked out and you're like getting frustrated and it's not going to go well. So I would say like take, take the rapport hit and interrupt and try to reset, reframe the conversation. Hmm. Speaking of interrupting, I hate to do so, but we've got 15 minutes left and two people yeah. currently wanting to come on stage. Um, so thank you. Thank you, right. Sushi. Uh, if you two guys could keep it, I guess, short and sweet. And I guess um, that probably will be the end. And if uh, we've only got 15 minutes left. But, um, okay. And we'll, we'll do another one of these. Like in about two months, we'll do another one of these. We'll try to make it a regular thing. As long as there's an audience like this, I'm going to be here. This is awesome. And other people from uh, SEI and from the SE community have expressed an interest. I was talking to an uh, abstract activist last night. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he was thinking maybe he should do an AMA. I'd love to see content creators do AMAs. Humanity, that would be, I would love to see you on an AMA if, you, if you're comfortable doing it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, welcome Luke to the stage. And then up next is Chase. Hello, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, so uh, the first question is um, uh, when someone 
says, I don't know what will lower my confidence in something. How do you, how do you feel when someone answers that? Do you feel like uh, you, you should stop or, or continue the AC? You're very I... low, by the way, Luke. Are you able to adjust oh. your oh, I, volume I up? Here. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing them just I'm on, fine. I'm in the car. I'm hearing oh. you just fine. Uh, both me and JCC are saying he's low. Never mind. Okay. So, I would I wouldn't stop the SE, but I would I would focus on that issue. Like if I understand what you're saying, there's nothing that can move you from your 100%, yet you're at a 100%. Like I would be I would shift to the exploration of reasons. It would be, well, what reason moved you up to the 100%? And that's usually where you get the shotgun effect like sushi was sort of suggesting well i've got i've got thousands of reasons and they all they're accumulative and they all contribute to my confidence like it can be really hard for somebody to, to like identify one reason that they would allow to lower their confidence and then you can just have a broader discussion so if i understand right you accept reasons to move you up in your confidence but you would never allow those reasons to move you down you mean the then, same reasons the same reasons, right? So if my reason is, if my reason um, is X and X helps get me to the 100%, if discovering that X is not a good reason, it should move me down. Oh, I wasn't convinced. Okay, the reasons were, uh, every time somebody told me about it, I wasn't convinced. Oh yeah, it's a little bit hard to have Another yes. kind of reasons. Okay. So, oh. so you probably know in street epistemology, we, we do what's called a real reason check. Like, let's find a reason that not only contributes to your confidence, but would actually lower it if you discover to your satisfaction that it's not a good reason. And now you're talking about an important reason. But if, if they say, well, but this reason is just, it's, um, it's irrefutable. There's no way that you can actually show that it's wrong. Well, let's, let's explore how you determine that it's right take me through your process and now you're at the epistemology level exploring how they determine that they have this airtight solid reason that only serves to increase their confidence all right all right so if if the person says um I, nothing would lower my confidence and then when explored the question it says well uh, every time somebody tried to convince me otherwise i wasn't convinced right would say is not being convinced a good reason to uh, well, but see, to, that's to the, have this high confidence. But see, that's the problem. Um, every time somebody gives me a reason to not be convinced, I don't find it convincing. That's what the, people like that will say, and that is an indication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what happened to me, and I was stuck. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. But let yeah, me just, can I just let me just say that's an indication that you need to stop giving people reasons that you think they'll find convincing. You need to help them reveal to you and to themselves what reasons they would find convincing to lower their confidence. Don't play whack-a-mole and start giving people reasons that you think they're going to find convincing. You might get lucky, but you're going to just frustrate yourself and them. They're going to, people are very good about finding ways to blow off your reasons. But if they come up with a reason that would lower their own confidence, they're likely giving a reason that would lower their confidence. So yeah, work, you, you understand the more. trouble. 
yeah, the trouble I was having is that this person told me there is nothing to lower my confidence, all right? And then when I asked her, what is the source of your confidence is yeah. the, the reasons where nobody convinced me otherwise you know i have this <laughs> this feeling and and every everybody who talked about uh, the the other feeling like there is no ghost or something like that uh, they they weren't convincing okay. so that's why i still have this conviction of yeah, ghosts yeah. being one of the conviction producer. so uh, it know? could be useful it could be useful to outsider test that if we found somebody who was just as adherent that they had the truth and their reasons were airtight and there's just nothing that would ever change their mind but in your view, they were mistaken. In your view, you think they're wrong, and you want to reach them. What would you say to them? How would, would you, you reach? How would well, you reach well, a dogmatic well, person? How would you reach a dogmatic person well, like that? And then, if hopefully, well, 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 I haven't thought about that. Yeah, that's try a very it. good trick. Thank you very, because, very much, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. I just want to conclude. The answers that they give you yeah. for how to reach that dogmatic person may very well be the the reasons that they'll accept. And yeah, maybe one more question. Let's hope it works. <laughs> I'll apply so. it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Anthony, if it's a quick fix, I don't know if you can do that little thing you did again with your mic. Uh, it does seem I'll to try be to do it again. Every I caller. think it's a Discord. Yeah, yeah. if possible. Uh, we just do have uh, one person left, though, and that's Chase. So welcome up to the stage, Chase. And then if, uh, if it doesn't take too long, maybe we can do some chat questions, okay. but... Yeah. Uh, I've closed the queue now for any vocal things. So, yeah. Last person, Chase. What is happening? How you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, got to carry a, a little question for you here. Curious about... Um, so, sometimes, you know, uh, during a normal conversation, I'll employ some SE techniques um, while it's not fully an SE thing or sometimes I'll do a full SE thing and try to stay strict to it you know and not let in my biases show and um but then uh and I guess what do you think about like activists using SE as a tool for activism so long as they stick strictly to SE and don't let their bias show um so because I feel like I want everybody to use SE I think it would help everybody grow and come towards better reasoning and better conclusions so I want Christians and atheists alike to be using it on each other, um, on opposing views, you know, vegans using it on non-vegans, non-vegans on vegans, et cetera. Um, and, but, you know, there's just that trick of can we make it, you know, really be strictly SE? And I think we can, uh, but what are, your, what are your thoughts? A great, it's a phenomenal question. And we do plan on having a module in the course. It's module 14 called Activist or Activism. Because we think uh, the way that we're teaching people to do SE is for the everyday person who wants to use it with their mom and dad and their coworker and that type of thing. They don't, they're not actually messaging. Like I see your, you, you literally have a, a megaphone and you're, yeah. And you're, yeah. So you are messaging, but it's, I, per, it's permanently attached to my arm. I can't get rid of it. I don't necessarily think it's bad to have biases and want a message for your position and utilize SE. You don't have to just hide it and you don't have to like, um, it, it's hard to be neutral when you're doing SE and it might even be impossible, especially if you're an activist who's literally going out to talk to people about a specific topic. 
Yeah, so, and, and to be clear, like I wouldn't I wouldn't be wearing like animal rights shirts while conducting the SE. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't see the megaphone. You know, mm -hmm. when I went out initially, I did. I, I had a shirt like said, "This is what an atheist looks like," and I would wear it at the grocery store. But I didn't wear it when I went out to do SE. But it's not like it's not like you can't do that. You you can, but now you have some additional hurdles. You have to. Yeah. Uh, you have to do a lot more rapport building and you have to like assure them that you're going to listen. They're going to hold you to a higher standard because they know that you're out there to message, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily wrong. It kind of goes back to one of the what earlier questions. Like, SE is such a good tool for exploring people's reasons. And if you think that you're right on a claim and you think people are wrong, it's noble to go out and help them reflect on their reasoning and maybe come to your position, but you should be open to them using the same method in return. And it sounds like you are like, I'm I'm grateful to hear that you're saying whether you think meat is a thing something you should eat or not. The way to discuss it is by using these tools. And Sometimes as long as I mean, like I'm, I'm, yeah, like to be clear, like I, I compartmentalize. Like I'm definitely pro debate and pro protest and pro normal outreach um, and legal change and everything. But at the same time, uh, there's a definitely a place for SE, you know, and. And when I do SE again, I, I try to stick strictly to SE instead of letting the messaging come through. Yeah, here's here's where the line gets blurry is when you know you want to message something and you're engaging in a conversation where you're asking questions that's going to likely help them reflect on the quality of their reasoning. And there's a moment where they're uncertain and you could message your view. And, right. and that's a gray area like the organization behind the course doesn't really take a stand on whether you should or shouldn't do that stuff. We sort of say like, this is what you can do with SE. It's up to you as the practitioner about what you want to do with it and use your best judgment. And here's some other things like be honest with your conversation partner. There's an ethical principle that we talk about in module three about being honest. Uh, there's another, um, I think we talk about that. We hit this really hard in module module six about building rapport and it's, informed uh -huh. obtaining informed consent letting okay. them know or, or, or you don't even just have to volunteer your position you can say would you like to know where i stand on your claim before we explore yours and that Perhaps. way like they know where you stand it could raise defenses and there's liabilities that come with it but if you're worried about the ethical part of it there's things you can do to make it more ethical if you plan well on i was thinking yeah and so what do you think about like as far as generating a claim that you want them to talk about right because if i'm going out there you know so we mm -hmm. we have the uh a can of words you know and maybe we could just like all of the words that are in there are relating or or phrases or claims like a bag of claims all of them are relating yeah. to the topic that you want to discuss but slightly phrased differently you know um and 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 the person will pick whatever they pick but you know how to handle it from there you know and again i think so long as you keep your biases out of it as best you can as best as a normal se practitioner does when they're conversing with someone who they disagree with they want to challenge but also be open to hearing new good reasons for changing their own mind you've reminded me of something that there was a there was a person who was like an anti anti circumcision activist and we had this exact thing like how do you how do you account for your biases and let your conversation partner know that you 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 have a position on their claim and one thing that we talked about was having uh some poker chips where three of them or four of them are white and one of them is red 
and and you could say like or maybe one maybe one's red and one's white and you could say like which of the two poker chips would you like to pick like the red one is my claim that i have a position on and i really would like you to come to my position and the white one is any claim that you have and you might end up picking one that i want you to come into my position on but it's not going to be something that i'm out here to try to you know get you to or something like that okay. and now now they have the option of picking which direction to go and then that opens it up even more ethically if you do something like that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. I, I guess I, I don't think that it's necessarily um, uh, obligatory to for an activist to uh, expose their position at the forefront in the same way that the typical SE, um, the practitioner doesn't have to, you know, be forthcoming at the front unless, the, unless they're asked or if they want to offer their position. But again... Those extra hurdles, I think, are, are complicated, and it would probably be best. I'm open to hearing more and thinking about it, but I think it's best to probably just keep it as neutral as possible, like we usually do. Neutrality is, but is again. probably yeah. I would say sure, and I, I would say neutrality is probably a really good starting point. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay, Chase. All right. Well, that's that's been about an hour and a half. Uh, were there some text questions, and then maybe we can wrap it up. Yeah, there's a there's two or three text questions. I don't know how hard your your stop is, but we are at half past now. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a couple of texts. If you check the chat, um, you see the last in the last sort of you know little bit that you can see in the text. I've added you, and I've kind of replied. And if you click on the thing that I've replied to, you'll you'll see the question. Um, or I can I can read it out. They are quite long though, so. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I do. Don't people want to hear my voice for that long. <laughs> so Sushi uh, said, in one sentence, what do you say to your IL to tell them what SE is? What SE is? Or more importantly, explaining what we're doing. Uh, the, 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 the definition of street epistemology is probably the best, most, most accurate thing that you can say to your IL at this point, which is, I'm practicing something that is a way of helping people reflect on the, the quality of their reasoning through civil conversation. And then if they're like, okay, cool, let's go. <laughs> but sometimes they want to unpack certain words and then you just go from there. Um, do you see, um, if you scroll up a little bit, do you see where I've messaged saying long text question if you want to take it at the end? Um, and then just below that I say another. And it's got your at at the beginning of the, the okay. text. Uh, I'm looking for it, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, I, it's, I got it, I got it. Yeah, and then if you click the thing that it's linking to, then those are the questions. Okay, so I'll read this out loud, and maybe I shouldn't mention the person's name. I don't, does it matter? Yeah, mention the person's name, I think. Okay, Sub Rosa. I see this as being a bit touched on regarding hidden claim SE, but here's the question. What's your opinion on the use of motivated skepticism in SE? Motivated skepticism. I don't know what that is. Uh, I find myself concerned about content creators and specifically authors who are associated with the SE community who seem to have a stake in specific political narratives and platforms and frame themselves as neutral critical thinkers. Ah, is there a way that we can address extremism in our SE community? Oof. This is kind of related to what we were talking about with Chase, isn't it? Like you, you have a position. Yeah. yeah. You're you're actively going out to talk to people, to bring up that topic and explore their reasoning, and maybe even expose bad reasoning for your audience so that they can see it. It, it kind of comes down to how you do it. 
you know, and, and maybe how you carry yourself when you're not doing it. Uh, the thing is people, I'll just close this, uh, so I can see the whole screen. Um, people have their own views and, uh, work, listen, as SE grows and expands, we're going to run into lots of people who are attracted to the method because of the effectiveness of the approach and people are going to adopt it who have views that we think are terrible. But the counter to those people is SE in return. And I hope people don't ever lose sight of that. That is the way to, to talk to people. And it is upsetting when you see people who are just, they're just mean people. And they're, they're, they're strawmanning the opposition. But when they do SE, they're doing SE. And they set aside as much as they can. They try to set aside those biases. And it, 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 it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. It doesn't sit well with me when I watch it. It's like, I obviously know that you, you disagree with them, but you're acting as if you don't. And it's, it's a, there's a disingenuous, and, and I see that in my own videos when I, cause I'm taking my videos now and putting them on, on TikTok, but I watch them first. I'm like, I don't think that that's a good example of SE anymore. You know, that we've, we've grown from it and SE is always growing and improving. One of the best things I think that we can do as a community is try to give people who, who struggle with that constructive feedback and, and maybe help remind them of the bigger picture. You're helping expose this approach to a broad audience and let's try to put our best foot forward. And that's about all I, I could really say on that. Was there one more question maybe we can take and then we'll, we'll wrap uh, up. Yeah. Uh, there's one more question that came in before we said we we're going to wrap up. There's been one that's coming after that, but we can save that one till next time. Um, it's from Dale. It's just below the one that I linked, but I can read it to you if you, Want me to Would read out? If you wouldn't mind. Sure, me. yeah. So Dale says, Anthony, have you ever thought about or tried SEing someone's emotions into their needs and core memories? Feelings are given as reasons quite often and are blockers to reflection. But going into those layers could help understand and reflect on the emotional block to reason. Mm -hmm. So when you ask somebody to identify their claim and their confidence level and you start exploring reasons, usually people give what they think are evidence, evidence-based reasons. But as you start exploring how they determine that that's a good quality piece of evidence and they begin to realize that, that it's not to their own standard. And I'm not, not, not saying that this always happens, but when it, if it tends to, if, if it happens, you're getting closer to the, the third rail of humanity, which is emotion and emotions and psycho and psychosocial um, ideas, I guess those are reasons. The reason why I believe this, I guess when it's all said and done is it makes me feel good to know that my uncle is alive and he's coming to visit me and drink the water that I leave out for him. And you can still explore that by exploring and maybe this ties into the critical rationalism the next best thing what might what might be another way of of uh celebrating your uncle through life than thinking that his spirit is coming to visit you in the middle of the night maybe it's playing some music or going through some photographs or something like that um, i wouldn't ever discount the emotion that's behind the belief because the emotion is real it's just like a personal experience don't ever dismiss emotion but you can talk about the emotion and you can talk about what might 
assuage the emotion or replace it with something better, possibly even. Um, but emotions are definitely a factor. They're definitely a component to people's confidence, but it's not usually the first thing that people lead with, but you uncover it later. Okay. Well, that was, that was an hour and a half. Um, let me just, if I, if I can, we just released the, we just announced the release date of the course that we got modules one through six that are going to be done. Many of the people who are in the room now helped us test those modules and they're really, really good. We took topics from the community. We ran them by subject matter experts. And then we had people who volunteered to help us test out the course. And it's, it's a really great course. There's going to be knowledge checks in there. It will be uh, it will be online. You'll, you'll create an account. You'll go and go through a learning management system. You'll see roughly approximately how long each module will take. And you can start going through them at your, at your, at your leisure. And we can hopefully, the idea here is to give people the confidence that they need to, to not only understand SE really well, but to go out and do it or, or at the very least you like not necessarily doing it on the street. Like most people here tend to do. But like using it in your daily lives, when, when your mom says something or you hear something on the TV and your spouse groans, you know, that's an opportunity to use the tools. And, and that's what the course is really meant to do, to normalize the tool set so that we can feel comfortable using it in the moment when these things come up. So um, if, you, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, head over to the thing, uh, head over to the learning course page, enter in your email address, and we'll let you know on November 15th. That's when the course will be available the first six modules and we've got a crack team working on the remainder of it as fast as we can to get the rest of it out. So thank you for having me. It was really nice talking to everybody. I appreciate no, it. No, thank you for uh, spending your time here and uh, answering these questions. Um, I, I think we're going to do it every couple of months. Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah. Every two months or so we'll do this. And thanks Addison for hosting and Cosmo you as well. Yeah, thank you, Cosmo, especially for coming uh, to the rescue there when Windows tried to destroy me. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much, Cosmo. Thank you, everybody, for the uh, questions asked. And, um, yeah, and we'll see you all in a couple of months. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization.